And one of the biggest messages that that I've learned over the decades is that there's nothing about life that was ever promised to be fair. And life is not about me. I, I'm not at the center. The world doesn't revolve around how I feel. The world doesn't revolve around how 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 unfair a circumstance might have been. And I have two responses. I can either become bitter or I can become better. And I love that. It was decades ago I got introduced to that concept that you, you can become bitter or better to the unfair, hard circumstances in your life. Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com. Hi, this is Bill. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you joined us today. And we continue to thank you for your positive energy, your comments, your feedback, and sending information about our podcast around the world. Today's guest is someone who emanates positivity, and we can't wait to have this conversation. We've known him for a number of years, and he's become a friend of the firm and a friend of mine. And as we look at the light of the end of the tunnel at this global pandemic, it's always good to hear the story of people making a difference in the world. And he and his organization and his colleagues are doing that, not only in the big world, but in the big world of athletics. Jerry Denninger joins us as the Chief Operating Officer of Athletes in Action, headquartered just outside of Dayton, Ohio, in the wonderful town of Xenia. This native of Bush, Louisiana, was a proud Golden Eagles of the University of Southern Mississippi. We had a successful distance running career. And after a brief post-collegiate running career, in spending time in the private sector as a chemist, he became involved in the Athletes in Action ministry along with his wife, Mallory. He's been on staff at Athletes in Action for over 31 years, including serving as chaplain for USA Track and Field, an advisor, a friend, and now a senior executive in the organization. He and his wife, Mallory, have been married for 31 years and have four adult children, and you're just going to have a great time today. Jerry is one of those people that no matter when you see him, no matter what the situation is, you can sit down, have a cup of coffee, listen to his stories, listen to his advice, and um, just really enjoy his perspective on the world. So we're really, really excited to bring him not only as a person, but as a leader in the Athletes in Action organization, which is having a positive impact on athletes and communities around the world. So welcome to Building Ideas, today's exceptional person, Jerry Denninger. Jerry, we're delighted to have you on the podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how a kid from southern Louisiana ended up in an international sports ministry based here in southwest Ohio. Yeah, well, that's a that's a long journey. Great, great years in the deep south of southern Louisiana. Grew up in a little town down there called Bush, B-U-S-H, Bush, Louisiana. There was just a, a little bitty quick stop. Had to drive 30 minutes to the grocery store. But, you know, those years, and it's true for most of us, your early childhood is so formative for what you end up becoming. And we lived on a little 12-acre farm. It wasn't like a farm, like herds of cattle farm, but it was just kind of for us as a family. We raised hogs and had a big garden and I had a hundred chickens and a Shetland pony and, you know, all the other animals. And we sold eggs and sold puppies. And, mm-hmm. and that was so formative as I look back on it now for 
kind of who I am today because I, I loved to work. And I can remember getting up before school, uh, feeding the animals at six o'clock in the morning and then getting on a school bus. Probably didn't smell real good as a 10-year-old kid, but that's probably typical for a lot of 10-year-old boys. <laughs> Still to this day. <laughs> yes, I think so. But I, I love to work. I can remember even going to ask my mom, can you give me a to-do list for Saturday? I just want jobs to do around the house. So just that work ethic of just working and doing has kind of been a part of the foundation of who I am. And so when I, in high school, freshman year, discovered this sport of distance running, which is what I began to do, it just naturally just kind of gravitated that way because that's all about just doing the work, just getting out there and running by yourself, just rolling and, and getting the work done. And wasn't very good in any other sport, but for some reason, I, I could, I guess I was like Forrest Gump, right? I could just keep running. <laughs> and so that ended up being uh, very successful, you know, in, in high school and college and ended up running that Southern Miss, competed for a few years in Southern California after that. But uh, yeah, just that, that work foundation was really instrumental there. Met my wife along the way. As a matter of fact, that was early. Met her in the ninth grade really we didn't start dating till we were end of our junior year mm -hmm. and we've been together ever since so we dated for five years so she's kind of seen the progression of jerry the, the distance runner athlete mm -hmm. and we ended up graduating together went to work in south alabama for a little while she was a court reporter i was a chemist mm. glasses you know, the, uh, the, the, the pencil pen holders in your pocket, steel toe shoes. That was me. The white robe on. Loved that job. But we really believed that uh, there was something bigger out there for us. We really loved what Athletes in Action was doing. And so mm -hmm. shortly thereafter, we joined up with Athletes in Action, moved to Southern California, where we were a part of the, the track and field ministry there with Athletes in Action. And then in 1996, we ended up moving here to Southern Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I've been here ever since and love being in Ohio. It's a great place to live. Yeah. You know, are there, um, were there some key moments when you were, you know, when you realized number one distance running really clicked with you, right? Were there a couple of key moments or key people in that process, um, that had a really good influence early on Were there coaches, you know, friends, colleagues, somebody who really inspired you. Cause that's a pretty fierce, it's a fierce competitive sport, fiercely competitive. Well, you know, parents are always highly influential and we we take good things from our parents and we take bad things from our parents, right? Habits, we've yeah. all got that list. And my dad, I can remember really early on, we were out on a seven mile run together, probably in the ninth grade. And he said to me, you know, Jerry, if you really want to be good, you're going to have to do things that your friends don't do. And what he meant was your friends are going to want to go to parties. They're going to want to stay out late and they're going to want to drink and they're not going to want to get up and do the hard work. And if you want to be successful, you're not going to be able to do those things. And there was something about that that inspired me. You know, like a lot of people in high school would be like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> why, why, why am I doing this? What? Yeah. But that inspired me. And so those words with my dad, it was like he was calling me into adulthood, even as a freshman in high school, saying, you've got to 
you got to separate yourself by doing things that other people don't normally do. Mm-hmm. And, and then my high school coach, he continued to challenge me uh, in, in a very similar regard. Uh, he was, he, he was a man who he had coached for decades. He was a Louisiana legend named Ali Smith. He's in the Louisiana Hall of Fame for football and cross country and track. We won a couple of state titles for him when we were down there and he just pushed us and he cared about us, but he pushed us hard. Mm -hmm. What was the progression like when you went into college? And then I know you ran professionally for a period of time. How was that impact either different, similar, you know, was it additional commitment or were you just kind of moving with the, the system you'd started as a young athlete? Yeah, well, you get to college and you realize, oh, my gosh, everybody is really fast. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the first adjustment. You think, holy smokes, how do all these all these boys can run? Uh And so, uh, yeah, the way I trained had to change and the way I had to approach working out had to change. Uh, The intensity there had to change. And then, you know, I I, I took a stab at it post-collegiately and really – I, I kind of kind of plateaued. And so when I got out of college in Southern California, uh, things weren't progressing the way that I would have hoped. So to say that I was professionally competing would be a little bit of a stretch, but I was uh-huh. certainly competing as a post-collegiate athlete, <laughs> trying to see if I could go for it and, and take it to another level. It just didn't click. It, it, my, my body wasn't able to respond uh, to the workouts and such that, that we needed to see happen. Mm-hmm. So as, um, you know, when you, you two went into the athletes in action ministry, you know, you were working professionally doing other things, you know, what were some of the things that, um, you know, obviously if you, if you're called to the ministry, you can go into a lot of different angles, right? You know, we've had a nun on the podcast, you know, folks who can be ministers and pastors and congregations, chaplains, you know, talk a little bit about what, you know, maybe tell a little bit about the mission of AIA. A lot of folks have heard the name, right? Athletes in action, but necessarily Mm -hmm. don't know you know, back in my day when you had the basketball team, right? Everybody, every college played the athletes in action team at three season. Right. Why don't you talk a little bit about how that led you all into it and maybe just some of the good work and focus of, of the organization? Yeah. Well, it really clicked when I was in college. There's a camp that athletes in action still does. It's called mm-hmm. the ultimate training camp. And it's a phenomenal camp. I don't know how many thousands of collegiate athletes we've run through this camp, but basically this camp, teaches us as athletes what it means to be a Christian mm-hmm. or an athlete second, as opposed to an athlete who also happens to be a Christian. And we really believe that as, as a Christian athlete, you have a greater reason and a stronger motivation to compete than anybody else does on the planet because you represent something way bigger than yourself. So you should be the hardest working, uh, the hardest studying the, the, the strongest, most fiercest competitor in any sport on your court or on your field of competition. So I got introduced to Athletes in Action through the Ultimate Training Camp in Colorado uh, in college. And it kind of clicked for me in that moment as I began to meet some other Athletes in Action staff. And I can remember this one guy I was speaking to. He said, you know, Jerry, we have in Athletes in Action a track and field ministry. And I kind of thought, wait, you mean I could run, I could be a part of the mission, and that could be my job, and I could get paid? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds incredible. Let's let's go. And so that's really where the idea began to spark. 
But there was a man that uh, went to college at University of Southern Mississippi. My wife and I did. And there was a man there named Doug Owen. And he was really instrumental in my formative years as I began to be, I kind of developed for going on staff with Athletes in Action, getting into the ministry. He pulled me under his wing and invested in me and discipled me, trained me, put me in some leadership opportunities, watched me fail and continue to come along and train me. That's all what we need, right, Bill? Yeah. If someone older who's going to say, hey, I think you can do something. Let's put you in this space. Let's see how it happens. Let's meet. Let's talk. And, and he did that with me in, in college, and it, it, he was phenomenal. So when we finally came on staff with Athletes in Action, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Fred Carpenter out in Southern California who really did the same thing. So here I am showing up, Mallory and I, as brand new staff. We moved from South Louisiana to Southern California. It was such a radical culture change for us. <laughs> I can I, only imagine. I, I didn't realize how unique South Louisiana was until I left. <laughs> and, and then I realized, oh, my goodness, I'm from a unique place. <laughs> and Southern California is its own unique place. Both wonderful cultures, wonderful places, but so different. So anyway, this gentleman, Fred Carpenter, really invested in me, continued to challenge me. I can still remember making some mistakes early on that cost us some money. Mm -hmm. He would come back and say, well, if that's what it takes to see you develop as a leader, it's money well spent. And what a great attitude for yeah. your first boss to have, you know, for someone who might make a mistake. So yeah, there's been a lot of people who've invested heavily in, into my development. Uh, to help me become uh, the person that I am today. And Athletes in Action, you know, we were founded back in 1966, actually founded in Southern California. We started off as a wrestling team and a basketball team. You referenced that, that would travel all over the U.S. and play games. And we played, we played as big a schools as there were in the country. And Many of those years, we were very successful. We recruited a lot of good athletes coming out of college to come play for us. And so over the years, Athletes in Action grew, and we developed track and field and baseball and softball and wrestling. Uh, you know, well, that, that was early on. All kind of sports came in, and then we began to play staff as chaplains on professional teams, mm -hmm. NFL teams, Major League Baseball, uh, primarily some in basketball. Then we began to place staff on university campuses all across the country. And what Athletes in Action is, is, is about is, you know, we're, we really want to help athletes and coaches realize that there's a victory beyond competition. There's more than just their sport. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a mental, physical, and a spiritual dimension to who we all are. And we, we want to be there to help develop you as a total athlete. So we are very biblically based organization. We're going to come in and lead Bible studies and we're going to talk about a relationship with God. And we believe all that's foundational for you to be a total athlete and countless stories that you can see all over the country. Every, every year, athletes graduating, going into the pros. Matter of fact, you may see some of our athletes will, we don't encourage our people in our ministry to tattoo or brand themselves, but nevertheless, some of them will put on their skin uh, AO1, which is a, a phrase that we adopted many years ago, standing for an audience of one. And so sometimes you'll see an athlete with an AO1 on them, uh, actually tattooed, or you'll see it written on their tape or on their shoes or something. And 
that that's coming from us. Those are young men and women who've come out of our ministry. We're realizing that they're out there to compete for something way bigger than themselves. Doesn't matter who's in the stands, who's watching, they're competing for an audience of one. And that's their motivation to, mm. to go after it. So lots of good stories, Bill. I could tell stories for hours here about uh, athletes and what's been happening. Well, you know, it's, yeah, you guys have had an incredible impact and, you know, our working with you guys has just been a, it's a blessing to work with you and see all the positive energy you guys bring to us, even as, you know, architects working on buildings and planning. Um, you know, this year we've talked about it. It's been a year now, right? It has been crazy. Um, yeah. I think the last large in-person thing I did last year was my daughter's 10th birthday party a year ago this weekend. And then, you know, it shut down. How has, um, how have you all been able to adapt and kind of move forward through this? And then maybe how is it going to change or impact what you do in your ministry into the future in your organization? Could have never predicted the pandemic, right? I mean, it mm -hmm. hit all of us uh, seemingly in a tidal wave. And I can still remember in March of last year, sitting at the table with our president and saying, I think we need to close the building. <laughs> and I had no idea that it would be March of 21. And our building's still closed, Bill. We're still yeah. not back to full staff in the building. We have some people back, but we're still not full staff back in the building. So our staff across the country, you know, when we had access to locker rooms or coaches' Bible studies or uh, team meetings, all that stopped uh, professionally and collegiately all over the country. And immediately our staff had to become creative. And we have some incredibly creative and innovative employees and athletes in action. And we learned how to spell Zoom, <laughs> Z-O-O-M. <laughs> and we began, to, we began to implement it. And early on, uh, we saw actually an, an uptick in some responsiveness because athletes and coaches were just looking for how do we make sense of what we're seeing. There's seniors who have lost their final season of competing and were devastated. So the ministry opportunities for us were, were incredible, coming alongside young men and women who wanted to finish out their year and then couldn't do it. So, yeah, we canceled a lot of events around the Final Four and NBA All-Star Weekend and winter retreats and a lot of different things were, were impacted. And so we really reinvented ourselves and learned how to go virtual. And a lot of our events really exploded in size. So we do a, a Captain's Academy on our campus in Xenia. That's a whole other fun story. The campus in Xenia is called the Athletes in Action Campus and 185 acres we own there. We do a, a captain's academy there where we bring in Division One basketball players for a leadership retreat. And we get 20 or 30 of these men and then 20 or 30 women. Well, when we decided to go virtually with it, the numbers went well over 100. Wow. People came on virtually to be a part of that. That ultimate training camp that I was a part of in college, you know, we may have 150, 200 athletes attend at a, a particular camp at several locations. We're talking over a thousand athletes that became a part of that when it became a virtual event. So a tremendous amount of growth in some categories. We also saw some other categories shrink. You know, the number of people who were involved in ongoing Bible studies became a little smaller. Uh, but overall, 
we, we saw the ministry go into some places that we weren't before. And that was a lot of fun. I don't think those things are going to go away. You know, Bill, I'm sure every industry you've identified categories where you're like, this is going to stay yeah. as we move to the future. Yeah. Do you see, um, I know we always talk how you all would ramp up for these big trips to unique, you know, off the beaten path places in the world, um, which I know had been challenges at times for political or visa or travel. Do you think the electronic connectivity is going to enable you all to reach even new places that you hadn't dreamed of going? That is the plan, Bill. And we haven't been able to send teams overseas yeah. last summer. This summer, it's going to happen to some degree. But we, we take about 500 athletes and coaches overseas every summer on all types of competing teams. And we didn't do any of that last summer. So that, that was a big shift. Uh, you guys, MSA Sport, helped us by designing a sports performance center on our AIA campus in the basement of Schindler. It is now open. A beautiful place. You guys did great work. Thank you. Thank as you. Always. And what we're doing out of that space is exactly what you're talking about. So we are open. We're beginning to have people show up and we're doing sports performance training and work and developing the total athlete. But we're also doing it virtually. So mm. we have our trainers in the basement leading workouts with people that are all over the globe and not only leading workouts physically, but leading workouts in the mental, physical, spiritual sense as well. So uh, we're definitely impacting and reaching the world from our little hub there in Xenia, Ohio. That's awesome. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, your campus is a pretty special place, right? Not only for the work you all are doing, but, you know, the legacy that you continue. Talk a little bit about the AIA World Headquarters campus in Xenia or outside of Dayton, Ohio, and kind of what it means to you all and the legacy of what it is. Such a special place. So in 1870, there was an orphanage that was founded in Xenia. By the time it closed in 1996, there were 13,500 orphans who graduated from what was known as Woodrow Wilson High School there on the Ohio Soldiers and Sailors Orphanage, the OS and SO home. Incredible place. And I know a, a number of orphans today. It's one of those, that term, I've actually learned about that term as well. If you're once an orphan, you always consider yourself an orphan. So I'll meet 80 year old men or women and they will identify as orphans. That's how they say, yes, I'm an orphan. Really, really powerful term as I've come to grasp it. So that, that property is, is so special to so many people. So that property began as a place where the world was caring for physical orphans. So in 2002, Athletes in Action moved on there. There's a Legacy Christian Academy, which is on the campus. There's a retirement village on the campus as well. We look at the campus now as a place where we take care of the world's spiritual orphans. Mm -hmm. It was designed to take care of physical orphans. Now we take care of spiritual orphans. So it, it, it's a really special place. The building that we work in, our headquarters, was built in 1890. And so we've done a lot of renovation, as you can imagine, <laughs> for that space. Uh, but it, it's really a, a beautifully majestic place. And we have five dorms uh, that, we, that we house people in, a huge dining hall, big sports complex with baseball and softball fields and turf soccer fields, football tracks and volleyball courts, all turf. Uh, it's it's, it's been really good for us. We get about 115, 120,000 visitors a year. 
not last year, but yeah. in a non-pandemic year. And you know, we want all of those people to kind of intersect with our message, with our message and, and the mission and get exposed to the concept of the total athlete. Mm-hmm. A lot happens there. Yeah, it's a great place. The uh, you know, one of the things we talk about on the podcast is inspired experiences. And I know you have traveled across the world, right? You're Southern Indeed. Louisiana kid. Some of right. the best food in America, by the way. Some of the best yes, food. Yes, it is. Louisiana kid, California, around the world. What are some, you know, sport, you're into sports, right? You've been everywhere. Sports arenas and venues and places around the world. You know, what are some key places, a place, space, or experience in the built environment that's inspired you? You know, we're architects. We got to, we love to talk about buildings. You know that. Yes, you do. So what are some places that, you know, you've been in your life or traveled to or seen? Sports or not, you know? Yep. As majestic and as humble as you think is appropriate. What's Jerry D, what's Jerry D's perspective on this? Well, for me, what I love is I love to go where our people are, where our staff are. To get, whether you're in another country or another state, to get to a place where, where our staff are doing ongoing ministry and to have them show you their world through their eyes. That is, that is just tremendous. We have, we have phenomenal staff. We have about 1,000 employees, 700 in the U.S., about 300 overseas in 65 different countries. And they are, they're pouring their lives out to see people's lives changed. So when you get a chance to show up on their turf, meet the coaches that they know, meet the athletes that they know, and to see how loved they are in the space that they work in, that is just in that is just it's overwhelmingly incredible. So whether I've seen that happen in in in, in Kenya or in Mexico or in Czech Republic or University of Wisconsin up in Madison or Stanford out on the West Coast, it really is kind of a similar theme of just seeing our staff investing in the lives of people and, and, and seeing lives changed. And it's it's been a blast. I love going out where our people are. That's what's been so hard this last year, Bill, is yeah. haven't done that, haven't been to any of those locations since last February, February mm-hmm. 20. It's now March of 21. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the opportunity to get out with our people. Mm-hmm. Are there any, uh, you know, like you say, you're across all the sports across the world. Are there any areas of focus or places that you all are looking to, you know, continue to move towards or? kind of double down on, or is it just kind of across the world as opportunities arise? That's a great question. So every country is so unique and there are countries that we will spend a little more time focusing on uh, than others, where we'll try to send more resources. We really follow kind of the, the lead of the national directors of the countries around the world. They'll tell us, I would really love to have a women's volleyball team to come into Ecuador and help us build relationships with the, with the Ecuador national team and do some exhibition games with them. That's just a scenario uh, that, that would, that would come into play. So every country is really different and and they really come to us and say, as, as the U S here's what would be helpful for us to see our ministry continue to grow in, in any particular country. So there's, there's four or five countries that we really focus in on a lot. And then there's a, another wave of about 15 to 20 that we would sure. focus in on as well. And then there's a, 
then there's the masses of countryside beyond that. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of venues. You've been in a lot of events. What's the greatest sports event you've ever witnessed or one of the greatest? Cause I know there's probably several cause I know you've been to a lot of them. Well, that's good. You know, it is hard to beat a good old fashioned Super Bowl game, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the hype around a Super Bowl is just phenomenal. I've had the privilege of going to two. I mm-hmm. uh, saw the game between the Patriots and uh, the Giants many years ago out in Phoenix when the Patriots were undefeated and then oh. lost the Super Bowl. That oh, was the, the catch. Yes. Eli Manning, passing. Oh, the helmet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> incredible. I can remember sitting in the stands thinking, that's the most incredible catch I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so oh, yeah. that was a lot of fun. And the Super Bowl in Miami was a lot of fun. But, you know, the world championships that I've been to, a couple of world championships in track and field, uh, watching those athletes compete uh, have certainly been incredible moments. What makes those spaces so incredible is the relationships and the people and, and the stories. So the sporting event itself might be a lot of fun, but it's the fact that you know some of the athletes who are out there competing. And so you have a personal connection and you know, that morning you may have been in chapel praying with that athlete who just made the U.S. team or who just made the podium at the Olympic Games. Uh, you know their family. You may be sitting in the stands with their family while they're watching their son or daughter compete. And that's what makes this stuff so special. I tell people all the time that when you're watching a professional sport, there are Christian athletes out there who are seeing that game, that competition in a much, much bigger perspective than what we even would think of as we're watching it as spectators or looking at that as a platform to really compete for an audience of one. And mm. that's, that, that's a lot of fun that, that our chaplains in, in the NFL and other pro chaplains, they get to see that part of the story. The story behind the story, right, Bill? The deep, this, the, the multiple layers, right? Not just sure. what you see on TV. Are there any athlete stories or momentous occasions that really are special to you? Some athletes who maybe overcame something or achieved greatness that you knew it meant even more to them? You know, because I know you've been around thousands of athletes over your career. Any one or two that really stick in your mind? Yeah, I, I, I can I can remember I, I was a chaplain for the U.S. track and field team for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. So some of my personal stories would would go back to that. And golly, I, I could remember some of these gentlemen who if you're a high hurdler in the U.S., mm-hmm. you may be ranked top 10 in the world, but not make the U.S. team to go to the Olympics because at least back in those days, we were so good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, you could finish fourth in the U.S. championships and be fourth in the world. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of a category might exist. And just to see the the devastation and, and the heartbreak of, of some of these men and women, well, that would just move your move your heart. But you these guys would continue to go on and compete on, on a national level. I'm sorry, on a world level. Mm-hmm. And, and make a great, great professional impact with that. I also think of this, uh, this young lady, uh, Lavana Martin Florial. She was a high hurdler as well. And she medaled, I'm trying to think, might've been in 92, she medaled. So this goes back a ways. And I can remember we were doing a, a talk 
in Atlanta and we had a bunch of the the universities gather in the AU Center in Atlanta for uh, that were track and field teams to gather and we were we're doing some type of a program with them and Lavana Martin Florial was there with us and she brought her gold medal and she showed it, passed it around for everybody to see. Matter of fact, I'm, I, I'm trying to remember what color the medal was. It might not have been gold. Somebody can go back and fact check me when they listen to the podcast. She, <laughs> she had was a, a medalist. Medal. She yes. got on the podium. Yeah. Very special. And so we all got to look at the medal. And then afterwards, her son got it. Now, her son was preschooler, a little bitty guy. And he took the medal and ran out into the infield of the track, into the uh, – the long jump pit and was digging the sand up with the metal, digging out, making a hole. And I remember saying to Lavana, I said, do you, do you know what your son's doing with the metal? Do you want him, you want him doing that? And she's like, Oh, Jerry, that's okay. It's just a metal. It doesn't define me. It's really not that important. What a powerful testimony to say to these young men and women who are sitting in the stands who would dream of being who she is. Yeah. And she's looking at that medal and she's saying, guys, it's not about the medal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about who God is in you, who you are in him, what he wants to do in you and through you. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are in Christ. And, and that was her message. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment of looking at that medal. And I just say, well, I can't say much to that. <laughs> Who's great. the chaplain in this one, right? <laughs> I'm being taught, being trained. Yeah. Oh, there was another woman that I, I spent a lot of time with. Her Her name was Madeline Manning Mims. And this, you need to go and read about her story. She's incredible. She's written a book about her story. She's from Cleveland. She made the 68 Olympic team as a, oh. a I'm not even, she might've been in college or might've been high school, uh, won the gold medal in 68 and then went on to make the teams in 72, 76 and 80, four time Olympian, incredible, incredible athlete. And she's been a chaplain for decades for the U S track and field team. She actually mentored me as a chaplain and the stories that she has of, just the influence and the impact she's been able to have in the lives of people way beyond her sport have been incredibly inspirational. And, and she can sing like a bird. She's just got a beautiful voice. She's one of these people that, that God just touched and can do anything. You she know? got it all, right? She got all the... Just an incredible athlete who, who has seen her, her platform uh, be used in ways way, way beyond athletics. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of stories there, Bill. <laughs> We're going to have to get more of these next time we get together when we come up to see the sports performance here in the next few weeks, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we talk about is enduring impact. And, you know, that's, in essence, you know, it's always impressed me about all of you is that's really the core of what you are doing, trying to have an impact on the world and in individuals and then on organizations. So Jerry Denninger leadership guru, right? Not just as a chaplain, as an executive with a international sports ministry, but Jerry, the wise sage from Bush, Louisiana. There you go. What, what good came out of Bush? There he is. I'm looking at him right now. No. Um, so what have you learned or seen in your career that could help other organizations or individuals have an impact? That's such a great question. 
there, there's, there's two things that I'll, I'll talk about that come to mind. So many times we talk to athletes and just people, businessmen, whatever, life is not fair. You know, that's the phrase. It's not fair. This happened to me. And w- one of the biggest messages that, that I've learned over the decades is that there's nothing about life that was ever promised to be fair. And life is not about me. I, I'm not at the center. The world doesn't revolve around how I feel. The world doesn't revolve around how, how, how unfair a circumstance might have been. And I have two responses. I can either become bitter or I can become better. And I love that. It was decades ago I got introduced to that concept. Of you, you can become bitter or better to the unfair, hard circumstances in your life. And we talk with athletes about this all the time because athletes, when you're performing at a high level, you are on the brink of injury sometimes, right? You're just, it's like you're either going to win or you're going to get injured. I mean, you're just right there. And when you get injured, it's like the whole world crashes around you. And you could become bitter and you could become not a good friend and not a good teammate and, and not a good husband or if you lose your job professionally, a lot of the same scenarios come into play. Or you can become better. You can step out and realize, you know what? This circumstance that happened to me is not about me. It's about what God wants to do in me and what God wants to do through me. Bill, I, I think you're a great story of that. I mean, you, you, you have a story. We should switch. <laughs> and let's hear your story about some of the things that have happened with you medically over the years. And you can become bitter and mad about that, or you can respond and become a better person who's going to have a bigger impact in the lives of people because of the hard things that have happened to you. So I think the biggest leadership principle that, or one, I don't know if it's the biggest one, but certainly one that comes to my mind is realizing that life does not revolve around what I think I deserve and what I think is best for me. And there's people watching, people watching how you respond to what's happening. And they want to see the world is looking for character and integrity. They're looking for men and women who are going to respond with with solid character and solid integrity because they want the same thing. Number two. (laughs) I'll go to number two. All right. Uh, Don't do life alone. One of the things that I've seen with leaders, uh, executives, and men in general, we tend to just do life alone. We tend to not live life in community. And so when we're struggling with something, when we're having an issue or a challenge or an addictive behavior, our tendency is, as men in particular and particular, very, very true of people in high leadership positions that they just become isolated. They don't talk about it. They don't share things with other people. And how many stories do we know, Bill, of leaders who have lost their jobs, their families, their reputation, their legacy? I don't want to name names. We all know them. We have a long list because they had something in their life that took root and it took over and it cost them everything. And Every one of those situations that I've personally known about, all of those people had something in their life that they simply never talked with other people about. 
they didn't bring it into community. I, I talk about it this way as the 10% principle. We can look really good sharing 90% of our struggles and people can say, man, that Jerry, he is so authentic. He is so transparent. What a great guy. He, he just puts his life out there. But only I know in my mind that there's another 10% that I'm not telling anybody. Yeah. And that's the 10% that can cost us everything. Mm. So as a leader, don't do life alone. Live in community. Find trusted people who can not judge you. They won't condemn you. They will listen to you. They will extend you grace and they will speak truth to you and help you to become who God wants you to become. It doesn't matter if you're in the ministry or, or not in the ministry. There's way too many leaders who are not living in community and they're just, they're losing everything that they've, that they've been able to be a part of. It's really sad. That's interesting. You bring that up. My father, very wise guy, great guy, great dad, still living. He and my mom are great grandparents, but he often one time said, he said, people are not meant to be alone. I remember him telling me that at some point in my, yeah. When I was an idiot as a teenager, you could argue maybe I still am, but uh, in some levels, but I remember him saying that once when I think I was in late teens or college, like people are not meant to be alone. So yeah. to look for community friendships, relationships, um, and you know, men and women, women with close women, friends, men with men's friends and vice versa that I think that's spot on Jerry. That's great wisdom. Again, like I told you beforehand, I learned so much from all of you just sitting here in the basement and having great conversations. And this is another one. So thanks for that. Thanks. Yeah. What are you excited about? Well, you know, the pandemic, as much as I have not enjoyed the pandemic, I'm excited about the, the new tactics, the new innovations that have come out of this. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about an expanded reach. I'm excited about, excited about our ability to get the mission to newer places through different platforms than what we've ever been able to do. Sometimes the Lord just has to come in and shake things up hard, you know, and that that's what's happened here in order to kind of get us to a, a different place. And I, I'm really excited about the future. I'm excited about, excited about the future for Athletes in Action. I believe there's a lot more for us to do. The, the world idolizes sport, and we have an opportunity to take those athletic influencers and see their lives become transformed and they can make an incredible impact on communities and societies all over the planet. It's really Excellent. fun. Excellent. Well, I know, um, you all are planning, uh, and we've been working together on this for a long time. You all are planning kind of a new tool to expand that mission. I know you're in the final phases of pre-planning and why don't you talk a little bit about what the legacy of kind of your newest development will bring, um, when you're able to complete it. That would be the Wooden Family Fieldhouse. Yes, Bill? Yes. <laughs> yes. Named after a famous guy, right? A famous person in sports, right? Yeah, they're, they're not, he's not famous to everybody, evidently, Bill, because we have received at least one phone call where someone asked, why did you name it the Wooden Family Fieldhouse? Is it going to be built out of wood? <laughs> no, it's not going to be built out of wood. It's named after the most his successful coach in collegiate or maybe any sport uh, level history named John Wooden at UCLA, who won 10 national titles in 11 years, was an incredible friend of Athletes in Action. 
a real God-fearing man who loved the Lord and loved the mission that we were all, he was really one of us. We were a part of things together. We have a, an award that we got give out in his honor at the final four every year uh, called the keys to life award, which is named after his seven keys to life, which Google it, read about what coach Wooden has done there. It's really fun, but yes, we have on our campus and athletes in action facilities for, for everything that you could want outdoors, but we don't have facilities indoors and we need that. And so the, the John Wooden family field house is the last piece of what we need on the athletes in action campus, uh, close to a hundred thousand square foot building that, that you bill and, and your friends have designed and redesigned and tweaked and retweaked and redesigned some more. <laughs> You've been patient and gracious with us. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you. So we're, we are in a capital campaign and uh, the Lord has provided uh, a good chunk of money and we're not done yet. We still need some more, but that facility when it's completed will allow us to see up to 300,000 visitors a year coming on the athletes in action campus. That'll have uh, multiple basketball courts and indoor wrestling and volleyball and an indoor turf soccer field as well. And a, a special room in there uh, that at, it's kind of a room designated towards the mission, whereas every guest who comes in gets an opportunity to have their life impacted in this total athlete concept. So we're really excited about this space. We are preparing for it on the AI campus now by even running programming that will eventually be in that building. So we have have, have the land all ready to roll and uh, waiting for the Lord's timing on financial provision. Look forward, Bill, to doing a ribbon cutting with you standing there with the big scissors. It'll be great. No, we'll make Lane Camp do that. He's much more more camera friendly. There you Um, go. I have the radio voice, right? Or the radio looks. Well, um, how can folks learn more about Athletes in Action? You know, where's the best place to go? Yes, athletesinaction.org is our website. And you can get a lot of information about us. Would love for you to come and see our campus in Xenia, Ohio, the home of the Uh, the former orphanage, right off of Highway 35. If you're going on Highway 35 East, leaving Dayton, you will see our football field on the left. There's a big billboard out there as well with what we call the UTC man. It's a big athlete with his arms spread out competing, and there's athletes in action on that. That's us. That's where we're located, 185 acres there. So we'd love to show you what we're doing. If you're a coach and you have a team, Boy, we'd really love to engage with you. There's some phenomenal team building activities we can do. We have a ropes course out there. We have some great staff that can do some great team building and character and leadership development talks. Love to talk to you guys about that. And jump on the website. You can learn all about us and know how to get in contact with us. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, give my best to Mallory and and Eric and Mark and everybody else in your personal and professional world. And uh can't wait to see you guys soon and come up and see the sports performance now that it's done yes indeed look forward to having you thank you for joining us on today's podcast building ideas is presented by msa design to learn more about msa design visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com